Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to a Squabble Box podcast. Welcome to yet another edition of the Attack of the B-Movies podcast, starring, I don't know how I say starring, really. But anyways, hosted by myself, Johnny, and my co-host, James. Yes, that's me. <laughs> it is you, very good. <laughs> um, tonight's offering was a suggestion of mine, because we have, me and James have a very strong connection that, in that we like similar types of movies. We both like a lot of the low-budget movies. James, I think you're more straight, like, um, crime, thriller, horror kind of movies. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've i watched, I've seen my fair share, so. Yeah, yeah. and I, I lean generally more towards the the sci-fi and possibly, like, the still horror side. That's where we have the crossover mainly. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, what I like about doing the show with James is that we um, – he bounces ideas off me for movies and I get to see ones I never saw before like maniac or that I haven't seen in 30, 40 years, you know, mm-hmm. I guess not oh, 40 yeah. years. I guess not 40 years. Cause that would have put me at two, uh, <laughs> say 30 or so. Uh, so tonight it was one I picked and it's a movie called zombie nightmare. Yes. Zombie nightmare. And uh, I, I had heard about this. I'd known it was on MST3K I hadn't really seen it before, so I figured ah, I do want to check this one out. And I, I would say first off the bat, I the voodoo elements. I, I didn't expect it to have voodoo in it. Um, there's not too many. I haven't seen too many horror movies that do. So that kind of stand out to me. But that that is definitely a, there in some scenes. I mean, not the most accurate depiction, I would say, but it's there nonetheless. So. Yeah, the, the voodoo part of it was something I didn't expect either because I don't think they really ever say they're in um, an area where you would have voodoo. Mm-hmm. Right, that, right. I mean, not that voodoo's only in one spot, but mm-hmm. generally you think Louisiana, like New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and actually, so this movie's an odd one to me because it only had a budget of $180,000. It's Canadian production. New World Pictures is actually not... with. They weren't really a small... Well, maybe back... At this point, they were small, but I thought they grew. Or I'm thinking of somebody else, maybe. Oh, I'm thinking New Line Cinema, my bad. Um, but 
It yeah. stars Adam West and Tia Carrera. Now, I, I don't know if it's her first movie. I but... believe so. And come to find out, I had watched Double Impact recently, and she was originally, she had a do- audition for the role of Jean-Claude Van Damme for his girlfriend in the movie, for his character Alex. So that was interesting. And she was in uh, uh, True Lies and Showdown in Little Tokyo. So I've... I've oh, she was in True Lies. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I always thought she was an extremely underutilized actress in Hollywood. Like, I always thought she was under um, underrated and underutilized. She... I can see that, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, she wasn't a bad actress. Mm-hmm. She did a lot of her own stunts. I mean, she was in Wayne's World. I mean, so she had some roles in big movies, but she just mm-hmm. never seemed to to really take off the way I always thought she would or hoped she would. And part of it is because I just thought she was gorgeous when I was younger, and I still do, mm-hmm. even at her whatever age <laughs> she is now. I still think she looks fantastic. Yeah. But, like, I remember she had a run on a TV show called Relic Hunter, which was kind of like playing on the, it was like the late nineties and Tomb Raider was popular. Right. I I see parts of that. So I'm familiar with it. It's actually a fairly good show. I I enjoy it. I have all three seasons of it. I like it because I'm a treasure hunter kind of fan. Like I watch Oak Island and Nazi gold, all that crap. Mm -hmm. It just, the archeology, the archeology of it and the treasure aspect both get me, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, see, I see what you're saying. When they started talking about a Tomb Raider movie, I was like, "Oh, maybe they'll tap her to play the part because she plays a similar role." Mm-hmm. Okay. And they did, and they didn't. And I was right, a little, right. I was like, "Oh, yeah, nothing against I, you know Angelina Jolie, but honestly, I I think I like to get career better. I just do." And I, I, yeah, I had seen one of the Angelina Jolie ones. I, I fell asleep during it. I, maybe I was just tired, but I remember I remember dozing off and like I only seen probably the first half hour of the movie and then I fell asleep. <laughs> I mean, the first one wasn't horrible completely, but it wasn't great. You know, it, it was it was okayish. Mm-hmm. So now the interesting thing about this movie is that not only it, okay, we know a lot of actresses and actors from Hollywood get their start, you know, in these kind of movies. Mm-hmm. But Adam West? Yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, granted, this was the mid-80s where he, you know, he basically took any role I think he could get. And I, he, was, he did his best William Shatner impersonation in this movie. Pretty much, yeah. I mean. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy that, like, played Batman. And then the next time I saw him, I was, like, 13 watching a crappy VHS tape of Lady Chatter's, Chatterley's Lover and – there's there's Adam West. There's like some weird painter or something or artist or I don't even know what he is. He's wandering through and he ends up in all these scenes where they're doing it. And I'm like, um, <laughs> this to I, what the hell's going on here? So I saw him in this. Um, there, there is a guy in it named John Michael Thor, who yeah. he's the main character as we get into it. The musician Thor is, uh, yeah, that's who he's known as. Yeah, I didn't know that. He was also Mr. C- he was he was the first Canadian to win both Mr. Canada and Mr. USA titles. Oh wow! Okay. He as a, as a bodybuilder during that career, he won forty titles around the world, mm-hmm. and he's the front man for the heavy metal band Thor, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in uh, Zombie Nightmare, clearly, in Rock and Roll Nightmare. 
which I, I have to rewatch because a buddy, another buddy of mine, Cameron, told me I should. Uh, he said I got to watch it, and I remember watching it a long, long time ago. And I kind of saw it the way I saw this one, like up late night on some whatever channel, you know. Mm-hmm. I I don't remember him being in it, but I have to watch it again. Yeah. Uh, his, you know, it, it's just bizarre. Yeah, I mean, but then I, the the worst part about it, or not the worst part, but the most amazing part about it is John Michael Fasano is the credited as a screenwriter. He worked on big blockbusters after this. Like he he's he's known as a script doctor in Hollywood. Okay. He worked on Tombstone, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and Judge Dredd. Oh, FX too, which I I remember that was '86. It was about a year prior to. This movie, tonight's movie, um, yeah, and I, I liked FX. I thought it was, and Tenement, which is 85. Tenement is a fun kind of, well, I don't know if fun is the right word, but it's uh, 85. Uh, I've seen that one, Tenement. Uh, uh, Game of Survival, it's kind of violent and brutal, but I've seen it. So, yeah, I didn't know he worked on that one. Interesting. Yeah, and he also was, I believe, the script, script writer for... Um... For um, the one I just movied, um, uh, Rock and Roll Nightmare. So okay. it's just funny. Um, I believe he co-wrote the screenplay for another 48 hours also. So this, this is a guy that actually went on to do some impressive things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's, it's strange because here's this little Canadian movie with $108,000 budget. And uh, I guess let's get to the plot of it, right? All right. So it starts off, I don't know what year or decade this is supposed to be, because the dad, the dad. So it starts off with this boy and his mom watching his dad play baseball. Yeah. I don't know what. I don't know where it's supposed to be. Yeah. I don't know what time period it is because the dad looks like Babe Ruth. <laughs> He's like this chubby dude wearing his, his his pants up to his chest and his like shirt too tight. But they're walking home, and it's. I, I'm assuming it's like the fifties. Because there's a group of, uh, there's two, I want to say it's two white kids, and they're hassling a, um, a, a African-American girl. Yeah, I remember and, that. And it, it's funny because he breaks it up. So his wife and kid are there. He has a baseball bat. Now, you would think, hit him with the baseball bat. No. I was thinking they would might maybe they would use the bats to fight zombies. You know, I thought. Well, oh, you thought it was just jumping right into the zombie part? Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, contraire, mon frere. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the funny thing too is well, I'll get to this in a second. But so the dad, the dad just like runs in and like, I don't know what he judo tackles. I don't even know what it is. I, it, like, he like just kind of push tackles somebody, one guy out of the way into like a bush or something. And then he picks up the other guy, spins him around and throws him like some bizarre wrestling moves. Right. <laughs> and before he makes sure that they're down or running away, he goes over to the girl and he's like, Hey, are you okay? And in the yeah. meantime, one of them gets up and has a knife and he, it's a switchblade and he flicks it open. Yep. The wife and kid are there and the dad gets stabbed. Like you think the wife and kid would be like, Oh, look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the, it, you know, as you're saying, they get, uh, the baseball player gets thrown on the ground. I believe that was the dad. He's the dad gets stabbed, yeah, and, and, right. and dies. Yeah. <laughs> and the dad dies from the stab wound, which I don't recall where he got stabbed, but it was, I mean, you could die from one stab wound. I mean, granted, you know, mm-hmm. but it just seemed kind of like, uh, you know, you probably should have made that a little more. Um, 
a little more intense, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it, it was clearly a made-for-TV movie is what it looked like. Mm-hmm. So we fast forward, and we now we see his son, Thor. Or as he's called in this movie, Tony, who looks nothing like either of the parents that he had. He looks nothing like the father, right? Yeah. He, he looks nothing hair. like the mother. He's got long blonde hair. Right, and he has muscles, right? He's, uh, he's worked out quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, or juiced. Yeah. <laughs> and he's wearing this bizarre shirt where the sides of the arm are cut completely open. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it's just bizarre. So, <laughs> he, um... Is he honest? No, he goes home first. He's playing baseball. He goes home, whatever, and then he's got – or he kisses his mom goodbye, and he's got a baseball game. And he goes to the game, and he's stopping at the store on the way home. And it's hilarious because the store he stops at is um, run by a guy. Oh, my God, I wish I remembered the guy's name. The guy had, like, an Italian accent, but he he had, like, a Jewish name. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. (laughs) The shopkeep? Like, the name had nothing to do with it. Yeah. So, in an ironic twist of fate – he breaks up a robbery at the store. He uh, he goes to leave, and he's walking out, and he does not get killed by one of the perpetrators. Instead, he gets killed by – he gets hit by a car. Now, I did skip a small part because let me premise that by the carload of kids were actually shown prior to this partying at a, partying at a nightclub. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were messing around. They were bothering the – the patrons threatening them. Which is funny because I had watched uh, a couple of days ago, I had watched um, Hatchet for the Honeymoon, which also has some nightclub scenes in it. I mean, that's 70s, but yeah, I, I don't know what's with me and watching movies with nightclub <laughs> scenes lately. But. So the leader, the leader of this group, this kid, Jim, I swear I've seen him before. I looked him up. He's never, I don't think he ever was anything else. Okay. He's just a total like dweeby looking douchebag. He's got like a lion. He's got a typical like '80s or current day Canadian haircut. Yeah. And the bar they're in, or whatever it is, is just so lame looking. It seriously looks like a Bennigan's in 1985. <laughs> no, Bennigan's would have been more hopping. They have like tchotchke shit everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <pretty much>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there were people dancing and it's it's messed up. So they get kicked out, and he's, like, drunk and reckless, and they're driving his dad's car, and he hits, he hits the guy Thor, and they take off. Like, they're screaming, and it's two girls and, I think, three guys. It's Jim, mm-hmm. uh, Amy, who is Tia Carrera, Bob, Peter, and Susie. Yeah. Now, you really kind of feel bad for the rest of the gang because none of them are really that bad. Right. I mean, they're and- just hanging out in there. But what I couldn't uh, understand, yeah. But what I couldn't understand, why was anybody afraid of Jim? I'm kind of an over over. I'm over forty and out of shape. I'd kick this kid's ass. I think I would too. I, mean, <laughs> I, I exercise. I mean, yeah. I, I think I would too. I, I would. I would beat him up. I would kick his ass. You know. I would. I would probably. Uh, make sure he doesn't come back to possibly cause more damage to Tony if such a thing is possible. It doesn't really happen, but 
don't know. I would I would want to beat him up, which I don't know. I No, I was talking about in real life. If like I was hanging out somewhere oh, yeah. and this kid was there and like acting up, I'd be like, dude, I'm gonna break you in half. Yeah. Like if I was the guy at the bar, right? He pulls like the little switchblade on the guy, dude, just pick the chair up and clock him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the bouncer's clearly gonna be on your side at this point, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what's funny, I, I did look up uh the guy that plays Jim, Sean Adam Levy is his name. And he actually uh he actually um did some other stuff. I mean, he had a couple little roles here and there, like his bit parts, but he had, he had a production deal with 20th Century Fox producing movies for, um, well, he produced The Watch with Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, and Jonah Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, his television company, 21 Laps, that might sound uh, familiar, produces ABC and, or the ABC comedy series, Last Man Standing. And also they produce Stranger Things. Oh, okay. Which is really strange. I mean, I guess he's a better producer than actor. I, you know what? If if his role was to play a, du- a douchebag, he did a great job. Yeah. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, the fact that he liked running, in, he's like, they asked him how he felt about. Oh yeah, because he's all jittery after they stop somewhere. Yeah, but he they asked him like, how did it make you feel? You know, after he ran into Tony, he said, oh, I kind of liked it. You know, I had the power to kill that guy in my hands or whatever (laughs) so he gets hit the jewish italian whatever deli store runner (laughs) whatever he's supposed to be comes running out and there's somebody else there that knows tony too i don't remember how if he just sees him on the street or what and he goes come on let's get him back let's get him home maybe you could have called the ambulance yeah i mean maybe tony wouldn't have died if you called an ambulance instead of brought him home Right, right. Because now think about it. Now, if if he is dead immediately, now you're driving a dead dude around in your car, and now you're bringing him home to his mom's house, going, "Hey, sorry, Tony got hit by a car. Here's here he is, but he's dead." <laughs> like none of that made any sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I would have to agree. It doesn't really make sense. It's like, uh, okay, they and how would they know that? I don't know how they knew about the voodoo priestess. Oh, oh, that, oh, that did, so they get Tony home, and they put him on a table in the backyard or something, because that's where the mom wanted the dead kid, (laughs) so she tells him to go get um, uh, Molly, Molly McKembe is a voodoo priestess, she's the girl that her husband saves, so she owes her a favor, so apparently, apparently it's common knowledge in this town that voodoo is real. So they go and get, so one guy calls her a kook or whatever, and they go get her, they bring her back, and he and she, she says, "Listen, I can't bring him back completely to life, but I can bring him back far enough and long enough to allow him to avenge his death." Yeah, and that's much. and that's how he becomes a zombie. Now, it is kind of funny that it's called Zombie Nightmare, and there's only one zombie. Yeah. I think that's I think that's the part that kind of surprised you a bit, because if you look at the if you look at the cover, there's like two or three like zombie looking creatures on it. Right, right. I thought there'd be more. I mean, I I don't know why they didn't do more than one. I mean, maybe they could. Well, I guess the hands at the end. I well, they only had hundred eight thousand dollars. So <laughs> yeah. So we followed the next. They, they and oddly, I'm betting a good part of that money 
went to pay Motorhead for using Ace of Spades as the theme song. Mm-hmm. That would make sense, yeah. Which really was a surprise to me. So we, next scene is we see this kid, Jim, a, clearly a fantastic, upstanding citizen, throwing pasta at his mom and driving off in his Porsche. Yep, yep. Crossing the center line with reckless abandon. Yeah, that was his parents' <laughs> car or his dad's car? Cause he, he, yeah, the Mercedes was the... The one he hit Tony with was his dad's. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would make sense because, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know why he didn't just drive his Porsche in the first place. Or his, you can't put five people on it. Oh, okay. And then they dropped the Porsche off at the guy's cousin's house or, whatever, or cousin's place to yeah. fix it. Um, so they, they show some more douchebaggery with the kids. And, yeah, um, I mean, he's hitting on this woman at a. He's hit, he's trying to hit on this this waitress at a, like a burger stand or whatever, and he's all he's got to be all the what? I mean, they imply he's like all of eighteen, nineteen because they can't drink legally, right? Right. And the girl, the waitress is maybe in her mid mid early to mid twenties, and there's a couple of quippy a couple of good quips she makes at him. And, like, some other guy sitting in the car laughing at him. He's like, what are you looking at? <laughs> like, he starts threatening, like, other people. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, this, I'm like, clearly no one is afraid of you. Right. But why you're gang, why you're quote-unquote gang, who all dress like preppies. Pretty much. <laughs> afraid I mean, of this guy. Maybe maybe because he's the one wearing the button-down half-unbuttoned. And, the, and he, wore, he, wore the, he was wearing the jacket, right? Yeah. And what I was thinking, well, I, I think – I was thinking, I, I talked about them in my review. Uh, uh, I was saying that too bad that they don't have what it takes to stop, to stop a zombie. Oh, well. At least they make for some good batting practice. I can't say I expected <laughs> such a, a focus on impalement, so the kills get points for that, right? And I was thinking, well, maybe they should, maybe they should have all worn leather jackets or something like that. I think that would have helped, right? Maybe, maybe pompadours instead yeah. of mullets. Well, it's funny because all all the rest of the gang are relatively normal-looking kids. Mm-hmm. None of them have long, disheveled hair. None of them are acting completely like like they. The rest of them felt bad about what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they kind of were like, "Well, I guess we got away with it. He must not be dead. It's not in the paper." And he's like, "No, when I kill someone, they're dead." It's like, really, dude? Seriously? <laughs> so that night Tony uh, starts exacting his revenge he uh, tracks Peter and Susie uh, now this is where I kind of feel bad right because like he's going after the people that killed him really it was only the one dude yeah they were they just happened to be there I mean they weren't the ones driving of uh, Toxic Avenger the, the car scene in that movie right and then the kid gets run over, but that, that has nothing to do with Toxie himself. But it, I don't know. It just reminded me of that. I, I don't know. I guess in the 80s, using cars to injure characters was a big thing, <laughs> right? And whether or not there was revenge from that was kind of the, the filmmaker's decision, right? And But, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say the uh, – I don't know. If it, it's not the most entertaining 
way of killing a character. No, but, uh, you know, it's... It, it, it was decidedly less epic than his father saving someone and getting stabbed. Yeah. Um, now, keep in mind, we're like 20 minutes into this movie. It's only 89 minutes long, and Adam West has still not appeared. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting funny. side note is, Adam West is not even the main character at all. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's really not... He's in it, but not nearly as much as you would think for being Adam West. Mm-hmm. So uh, that night, Tony, he, he tracks down Peter and Susie, and they're at, like, some school's gymnasium or whatever, and they're in, like, a hot tub because I guess why not. And I guess mm-hmm. the janitor lets them do that after they play tennis or something because the, jan- the janitor is creepy and kind of likes to watch whatever they do. It's after mm-hmm. hours. Or it's closed. Mm-hmm. And um, so she says she hears something. He says, oh, you're crazy, whatever, you know, the typical lines. Typical right. 80s slasher flick horror lines, which this isn't really a slasher flick. And it very easily could have been, too. Yeah, I mean, they do have a, a slight slasher element, but I, I don't really consider it's more. Yeah, of a it doesn't show. The, the, the kills aren't shown in detail like, no. like a lot of other movies. Um, no. So he, he kills um, Pete by um, breaking his neck. And then she. Uh, she runs off. Mm-hmm. She is, I don't know how big this gymnasium is. I don't know how big this academy is. I don't know of any building that has crash bars on it that you can't just run out of, even if the door is locked. Granted, that might be a more modern thing because of fire code here in Chicago, but still. Mm-hmm. She's running around screaming. He could barely move. It's a, it's a classic zombie. The guy's not fast. Somehow mm-hmm. he catches up to her and he, he no, he crushes her head with the bat. He hits her in the head. Yeah. So now's when it gets good. Yeah, I mean, I like the way that kill was shot, and the kind, there's kind of a slow motion uh, style to it. I, I guess you could call it that, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I did like that about it, and even some of the some of the music that they used. I, I like that too. Just the way they kind of put that all together i mean yeah there were some moments of this movie that i mean we'll, we'll obviously talk about that a little bit more but there were some movies of this movie that, moments that really weren't bad mm-hmm. and and realistically with more budget and a little bit better like casting maybe mm-hmm. it probably could have been really good i mean it's not horrible but right. um but yeah now is when we when we finally meet um now let me think a second, because he does this, and then Jim is going to rape that waitress, and he kills, he impales Jim with the baseball bat. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was. Uh, I think that I don't know. Uh, that that's got to hurt because baseball bats aren't sharp. Yeah, that's going to take some effort. <laughs> yeah. I want to say I don't remember. If we meet the cops after the first one and before the second, I think it is. Right. And, what's, and what's hilarious is so we, we meet um, the cops. It's Detective Frank Sorrell, who's played by a guy named Frank Dietz, and um, a coroner. And I can't think the name of what the name of the coroner is, but he does his best Columbo impersonation. <laughs> well, what we got here is a lunatic. <laughs> Like he's clearly like a, 
And it's funny, uh, like the, he shows up with no like protective gear on at all, no gloves, nothing. <laughs> but he um, he claims that they, it's a large built drug fueled man is responsible. So Frank ends up on both these cases. No one wants to believe the girl that uh, what happened. And Adam West is the the, co- the chief of police, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a police yeah. captain. Tom Church. Tom Church men, sorry. And he so, was, right, he's saying that he doesn't want the news to, like, he doesn't want people knowing what really happened. He wants the news to spread misinformation. Yeah, so he says yeah. it was like a drug overdose for the two of them or something. Yeah. But they're, because yeah. the kids see it in the paper and they're like, well, this doesn't make any sense. And they know something's up. Right, right. And then they, I think that I think at this point there's only the two left, mm-hmm. and, and I think they're like, "Hey, you know, somebody's coming for us." No, Peter and Susie die first. Then they sit there with Jim the next day, and they mention about it looks like somebody's coming for us or something. That's when Jim goes after the waitress again, and that's when he gets killed. And um, so Tom Churchman, he uh, goes, "Oh yeah, we already have a suspect." And they just, it's just like complete lunatic, like typical, yeah. like 80s punk rock looking guy. The, the Mohawk. Yeah. yeah. got the Mohawk. I remember that. It's, it's totally like, it, it's like, it's like Bebop from, uh, from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, only not in rhino form. Or was that yep. Rocksteady? Yep. Well, whichever Pretty one much. I was. Yeah. And he like, he's like kicking the shit out of like three cops, like getting them off them. <laughs> and somehow Adam West just walks by and like clocks them, what, like once or twice? And like yeah. lays the guy out, but then he gets up again. <laughs> so um, he's like, "Oh, that case is closed. Deal with it." <laughs> right, right. But, uh, but Frank Sorrell, being a good detective, can't yeah, accept he's not it. Convinced <laughs> that the case is closed, which I like that about him. That he's he was trying to get to the bottom of things, right? Yep. And uh, you know, I, I like that about him. He, uh, I don't know, he's probably not the most memorable detective but you know I, I like that he didn't just stick with what Churchman said yeah and i thought frank Dietz actually did a pretty solid job playing him mm-hmm. to be honest I, I can't say a lot of the acting was really bad except that for some reason adam west was acting like the stereotypical william shatner mm-hmm. the way he would talk and like some of his mannerisms i was like uh hmm. so Sorrell's looking at the photogra- photographs, and he 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 um he notices in the background that Molly, the voodoo priestess, is in the pictures of both of them, and he tries to convince Captain Churchman to, to, that something's up. She must have something to do with it, and he's like, "No, you're wrong." They go out for drinks or whatever. He's trying to like, he's clearly trying to brush this whole thing off and like hide it, mm-hmm. and he dismisses. And Churchman says, "Oh, she's nothing but a baddie voodoo palm reader." Uh, she just follows ambulances around. Just just go home. <laughs> so right. then Churchman calls uh, Jim's father and says that Molly's involved in Jim's death. So now we know something's up. This is the first moment where we really, you know, know something's up. Right. And Fred tries, and Fred's supposed to go meet up with, with um, Churchman. So he tries to uh, go meet, him up, meet up with him and he sees Tony coming at him. And in typical 80s, in typical movie, let me correct it, in typical movie fashion, uh, he shoots him with a rifle. It doesn't work. Fred gets in his car. The car won't start. He leaves the door open while he's trying to start the car with the zombie Mm -hmm. coming towards him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Now, not saying that Tony couldn't rip the door off, but still. So um, Tony uh, gets up after getting shot and breaks Fred's neck, which now when I was watching this, I was like, well, not sure why he went after the guy's dad. Yeah, I mean, I guess just because he was there and it was... Well, that's what I thought. Or maybe is it like the, the mafia thing? I, you know, you, you, I'm going to kill you and your family. I, I don't know. Right. You know, he didn't kill, he didn't kill the mom. He didn't go after the mom. Just, just Fred. Right. Yeah. Cause I remember, I think, uh, Fred, he, he has the, the rifle, but somehow when he shoots it, it looks like he, sh it's like he's shooting a shotgun. It didn't really, I don't know, maybe that's <laughs> just the ammo that he had that, or maybe it was, maybe it was a shotgun. I thought it was a rifle. I could be wrong. It could have okay. been a shotgun. Um, but yeah, so at this point now you're like, all right. So the the um, Frank thinks something's up. I find it funny that Frank Sorella is played by Frank Dietz. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know something's up there, right? Like something's not something's not right. Mm -hmm. So the next now we see uh, Bob calls Amy, and he's panicking and he's like, hey, somebody's trying to kill us. We need to leave town. Let's go rob my cousin's place, the garage where he works. He always tells me he's got money there, and we'll skip town and no one will find us. Mm -hmm. So they go to the garage, and again, in typical movie fashion, hey, let's split up to look for the money. It seems like that's just another go-to, like, well, I guess we'll just have him do this, and it'll make him easier pickings. I don't know. So Tony's there. Uh, Sorrell catches on to something going on and knows that, mm -hmm. that they're going that way. So he goes there, but he gets there after everything starts happening. So correct me if I'm wrong, James, Tony kills, um, Tony kills Bob first, right? And Amy sees it happen. That's what I remember because he bashes his head with a car door. Yeah. Cause I, cause I, I think she sees it and then she flees, right? Uh, right, because I remember her death uh, as well, but which involved the door too, I think. I, I think he just smashed. He just throws her, doesn't he? Yeah, she smashed. Yeah, she smashed against the door. I don't think it was a car door. I think it was a a glass door because I remember seeing her face get smashed against it. Oh, that's right. And Frank's yeah. here for, and I think Frank's here for this one, mm -hmm. and tries to stop it. But Tony like just throws him aside. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So you know, Amy gets killed, which I really felt bad for her character because her character was really the nicest one out of any of them. Right. <laughs> like, really, truly felt bad. And I mean, granted, she didn't come forward to say anything, but. She had, like, again, nothing to do with, you know, what happened. And she clearly clearly didn't like Jim from the beginning, you know. So you're like, ah. Mm -hmm. He always wanted those two to escape, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now Bob and Amy are dead. So now you're like, all right, good, we're good. They're all dead. So Tony starts uh, walking away. And at this point, um, the captain abducts, abducts the voodoo priestess, Molly. Which now I'm like, okay, I still, I'm not getting the big picture here so i'm missing something mm -hmm. so uh 
Tony ends up in a cemetery, and Churchman and Molly end up at the cemetery. Right, right. And so does Frank. And mm-hmm. Frank hears everything that happens. Um, let's see if I get this right. Churchman admits that him and Fred, Jim's dad, are who killed Tony's father. Which is why Tony killed Fred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I want to say Churchman shoots and kills Molly. Well, actually, I'm reading it here. So we, he shoots Tony. Yeah, then he shoots Molly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he, he shoots both of them. All right. Because I remember he has that, that pistol. I think there's a, a sight on it mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And Molly tries doing a spell quickly before she gets killed mm-hmm. to um, – revive its powers or what something he, she tries doing a show, uh, some she tries doing some spell it seems like and churchman shoots shoots tony then kills molly because tony's powers are wearing off because he event, he's avenged his own dad yeah and yeah. and realistically his father's so um he kills molly and then he him and sorrel have a little talk and um sorrel's you know i think sorrel i don't think sorrel had his pistol anymore I think he uh, was told to drop it or something. I don't remember. So yeah. as he's about to shoot Sorrel, hands come out, uh, another zombie and like hands come out of the ground and grab Churchman and start dragging him into the grave, which now, mm-hmm. see, now that's kind of cool, I thought. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, I wasn't like, because I didn't know, you know, the the co- the poster, the, the cover, right? It has the two zombies on there and, and there's only one throughout the whole movie. <laughs> and there's like, oh, okay, I guess that's the second one in the poster, right? And so I guess in a way we have both of them on there, right? But yeah, I, I like that because... And you see like a red glow in the hole he's getting pulled into. Yeah. Kind of like seemingly saying you're going to hell. Pretty much, yeah. So I was like, that's a nice touch. I liked it. That was good. I mean, it makes sense because he was, you know, being a, a crooked cop, a, a corrupt cop, right? And, yeah. He was involved in a murder. Right. Mm-hmm. He tried raping a, a girl. Mm-hmm. So God knows what he's done the rest of the time he's been on the force. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, 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 the end of this is Sorrel walks over after he, well, so he's, he's begging for help. And Sorrel's just kind of like, nah. <laughs> nah. Much, yeah. And um, so Sorrel looks at the, uh, the tombstone, and it turns out it's, it's Tony's father. Mm-hmm. That so it, it, the tombstone's for Tony's father, so he, he avenged his own death at the end, you know. Mm-hmm. Which I'm assuming maybe that's why Tony went to the to the graveyard. Maybe he was just going to collapse and die there by his dad. I, I mean, makes sense being a zombie, I mean, and the fact that okay, my dad's here, as you were saying, right? I, I might as well just come here. And left out my last couple of moments and mm-hmm. let Churchman and Sorrel and Molly fight it out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right? Nowhere to be seen the rest of the movie? His mom. Right, right. She seemed to have absolutely no problem letting her son run wild and kill a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah, that's where it ends. Sorrel just kind of, you know, walks off. Mm-hmm. So this was the one I recommended. It's not nearly as gory as a lot of our other ones. I mean, yeah, it's what it's did you silly. what did you think? I mean, yeah, I, I kind of liked it. I mean, it, it's it's kind of a fun watch because it's it's a fun watch because I, to me, it's not a horrible plot. No, and some of the acting's not bad. And Tia Carrera's in it. Right, right. I mean, not much, but she is. But it's not a, it's not really a horrible movie. And I, like I said, I think with a good, a better budget, this could have been a good movie. Yeah. So you actually found yourself kind of liking it, huh? Yeah, yeah. So did you laugh most of the way through it, or? <laughs> I mean, I, I did have a couple good laughs. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably laugh more if I watched it again. I, I would think, I would say so, right? And maybe mm-hmm. I'll check out the. MSG3K version at some point and see if if I get any laughs from that. See, it's funny because going back and revisiting MST3K um, uh, episodes that I've been doing like for 20, 10 years now since I've got them all, a lot of the movies I see, and especially the early episodes, like season one, which is rare to get, to get but I have like most of them, mm-hmm. and like this one. A lot of the movies they do, I'm like, holy Christ, I, I saw this when it was on TV. Like, mm-hmm. after I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, my God, I remember that movie. Like, sometimes it's – there was I remember there was one movie, too. One had to do with this race car driver trying to get across country where there's no gas to, like, a, the free part of the country, mm-hmm. and, like, everyone's rooting for him. I couldn't think of a movie. They, they made fun of it the first season. Mm-hmm. So when I was going through my episodes, I'm like, oh, my God, that's the one. Mm-hmm. And another one uh, – had to do with um, Area 51 or UFOs or something and astronauts getting murdered to keep mm-hmm. it covered. I'm like, I saw that too. <laughs> like when I was a kid, I thought these were good. So Zombie <laughs> Nightmare is one of those where I'm like, oh my God, I remember watching this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, 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 I enjoy it. Uh, you know, Thor not only plays a zombie, but he wrote much of the incidental music and his band and him did the heavy metal riffs. All right. And, uh, See, the synthesizer music was played by the band Thorchestra, or actually by him and the band called Thorchestra. I'm thinking of the of the music that was used in the specifically in the scene where Tony pursues uh, Susie, because it kind of had an indu- almost an industrial sound to it. Right, they had the synth in it. Yeah, and I, and yeah. I like that. Yeah. So. So, uh, yeah, so he, he did the heavy metal riffs. His band did the heavy metal riffs. And the synthesizer music, like I said, Thorchestra, is, he's in, he had a hand in that, obviously. Right, right, okay. Um, also, um, Motorhead, Motorhead, who never was huge mainstream but had a few hits, their big hit, Ace of Spades, was played during the opening credits of this movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I was very surprised. Uh, Girl School's on the soundtrack, and I know them. Um, another movie I can think of? Uh, you know, horror sci-fi wise, that had Ace of Spades. I, I'm pretty sure it was that song was the movie Hardware, and Lemmy actually drives a taxi cab in that. Yes, plays it for the. For the That's the uh, one where the the woman's got the cyborg skull or head in her in her house, and it comes to life and like starts mm-hmm. building itself again. See, another one I barely remembered, but I remember going. That was a great movie when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so oddly, there's a band called Pantera in it. 
but it's not actually the Pantera we know. No, I found that out later. It's like, yeah, oh, so Pantera oh. at the t- Pantera in the eighties. No one really knows this was actually like a glam rock or like hair metal band. Okay. And um, then they became the Cowboys from Hell, like you know, in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the um, the Pantera in the band was actually John Michael Thor's wife at the time, who was right, a backup right. singer in his band, and that's what her stage name was. Uh, Nighthawk was on this too, and I've heard them before. Okay. So it, it's it's weird how it really wasn't like um, oh Virgin Steel I forgot, I forgot they were in that too, not 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 a huge band but but um yeah they uh I, I thought they actually put together a pretty enjoyable horrible movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Um the 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 what did you think of the zombie makeup? I mean. Not the most like um, well thought out. I guess you, I mean not the most convincing. Would you believe that receptions to the movie were generally negative? Yeah, I mean that seems to be the consensus on IMDb anyway. I mean, oh, here's a quote from Mary Jo Pell from Mystery Science Theater. Described the movie as painful, and that it, the members of the show thoroughly, intensely, and unequivocally hated the movie. <laughs> wow yeah um not a lot of good by anybody to say from it i don't know what it made it had a limited the- theatrical release mm-hmm. and um new world no and then uh, it was released on special edition dvd in 2010 there is a, there a blu-ray did, that I, I ended up getting that which is there, oh there is a blu-ray of it yeah code red put it out and you may, if you do end up buying that, you do kind of want to look around because Code Red's releases tend to be limited, so prices will vary depending on where you look. So, are there any special features? Yeah, so I watched. There's an interview with the director, um, and then they have like a cast and crew interviews, which I really a long yeah, which I haven't watched that one yet. And then there's also are these like from back then or? I'm not sure. I only because that would be interesting if they were like them now. Yeah, yeah. I have to check that one. But I did watch the interview with the director, and he talked about some of his other movies and some of the things he had been involved in. And then there's one called, well, on the on the back of the case it listed as bucket list theater, but what it actually I don't know why they put that, but it's actually um, I think her name is Antoinette, and she's like a horror hostess, and she talks about the movie for a few minutes. And she shows some of the scenes from it. And then I guess you could watch it. So I watched that. And you could watch that. And then it'll play the movie after her introduction. So there's that way to watch it too. But I think it's the same regardless. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was it was also called. But here's, here's a more glowing review. This, this guy's on par with us. Brett Cullum from DVD Verdict called it a charmingly cheap Z-grade zombie thriller. Mm-hmm. Now, we do a B-movie podcast. <laughs> Does this fall below that? Now, would you like to see this one remade? I mean, I think in a way, maybe if they were to kind of focus on some of the voodoo aspects a little bit more, right, and maybe uh, have some... Like use some actual terminology that might be correct and stuff? Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, perhaps have that play a bigger role. Right, and maybe they could have maybe the, the makeup they could 
make some improvements with it. I mean, not the worst makeup I've seen, but it did. Well, it's of... it's only one person that had makeup on. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that 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 is like is well, unless you count the other zombie, but even then, the most most of the movies is one person with the with the zombie makeup. But you know, not the worst I've seen. I mean, kind I kind of like the uh, the color of it and the and the and the detail of it of the makeup. Yeah, I'd like to see this one remade. I I, I think it would be, I think it could do well. Mm-hmm. And I'd like and I'd like to see somebody get back to like a classic zombie. You oh, know, yeah. now it's like, oh, this one can run and this one can do that. Yeah. You know, I like the classics. Especially because back then you didn't really have a lot of zombies using weapons. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had Nightmare City, which is more infected people than zombies. But yeah, back then zombies weren't really. I mean, yeah, they did learn. They did learn like Day of the Dead and they. Yeah, with uh, Bub, right? Mm-hmm. But as I was saying, not an overused concept. And you, you could, if you were, if they were to make this, they could probably explore that further. And maybe he'll use, maybe he would use other weapons, and maybe he would, I don't know, play baseball as a zombie. I, I might be kind of silly, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to see it be. Um, I'd like to see it filmed in like Louisiana, with some shots of the bayou and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the core, like of where America's like um, voodoo culture stems from, to give it more of an authentic. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. You know, like a small town in like one of the one of those areas. I think it'd be really cool. I think that would. I think that would do well. <laughs> All right. Anyways, I think it's enough of us for now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd recommend t- taking a look at Zombie Nightmare. It's a fun watch. It's not a masterpiece by any means, but I enjoy it. And it sounds like James enjoyed it as well. Yeah, I did. All right. Well, until next time, thanks for listening. I'm Johnny. And I'm James. And we'll talk to you guys later. You've been listening to a Squabblebox podcast.